Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Confessions of an IT Business Owner. I'm Taylor Thorson, back again with Ryan Goodman, um, podcast host and president here at Connect Booster. Today, we are joined by Kyle Hanslevin. <laughs> he is the CEO and co-founder at Huntress, and tell you what, we got some cool stuff today. Yeah, this was a good episode. Uh, he starts off talking about joining the military when he's only 17 years old. Right, yeah. And, and had a 17-year career in the military. And some really cool stuff. He talks about his position, about cyber warfare, and makes a lot of sense as to you know how he ended up where he did. Yeah, yeah. That's for sure. So Huntress is what, the second company since his military career. Is that correct? Yep, yep. Yeah. He talks about that too. And he also talks about the high growth that they've seen this last year mm -hmm. and really how growth and company culture can go hand in hand. And you know? Yeah, it's a it's a challenge, right? I think they're going from 50 to 120 employees yeah, this saying. year, which is insane. And how do you keep that company culture? And there's a couple of misnomers that he dispels in the episode from what one would think is important in company culture in a startup and how he kind right. of bucks the trend in, in how he maintains culture. So I thought that was cool. And then um, he also talked about some of the back to basics for security that uh, right. MSPs are leaving the door open uh, in areas that are real simple places to shut. And so I thought that was really important as well. Absolutely. Well, a ton of information coming your way. And thanks again for joining. Well, Kyle, happy Friday. And thank you for joining me and all of us listening on Confessions of an IT Business Owner podcast today. Dude, I'm stoked. Absolutely stoked. As I just shared with you, you know, before we went live, uh, highlight of my day. Not to say that the other meetings weren't great, but I'm pretty pumped to be here. Uh, we, we certainly appreciate it. I know your time is valuable. You're a busy guy, you know, in the office and on the road and uh, really appreciate you choosing to spend your time with us here this afternoon. That's awesome. Well, I'm going to dig right in with you here. Um, so I was doing a little bit of, uh, uh, I'm sure you were like digging into us a little bit and I'm digging in a little bit to uh, you and in your persona and, and uh, uh, on your biography notes, I had, I had noticed that you had served a number of years in the Air Force Reserves. And so um, first off, thank you for, for your service. I'll um, take that support all day. Second off, I'd really that. like to ask you, you know, what what pushed you into that decision to go into oh, the military? I mean, it, it, was, uh, it was kind of as simple as I joined the military for, I guess, opportunity. I grew up pretty dirt poor. Um, yeah. Not like hungry poor, but like always rocking the Walmart shoes, that type of. <laughs> right, yeah. And so uh, this was just uh, right about 9-11 time period, just a little bit after. And for me, I was already in school doing like the junior ROTC. So I liked the service. I liked the yeah. giving back more than I took. Uh, but I was also a real rough, you know, I was a good student in grades, bad student in behavior. So mm. the military kind of offered structure. It offered me a chance to like not be terrible or be yeah. less terrible. And so for me, uh, the combination of that, my first duty station was in England, talk about cream of the crop. Oh, so, wow. um, and I was already in IT. If you remember like late nineties, early two thousands, the word cyber meant something a little bit more inappropriate you were doing online. It didn't mean cybersecurity <laughs> of today. And so where else can you get a job as a punk? I was 17 years old when I enlisted uh, and get a job where you get paid to like both secure systems and defense, but also hack things like it was the coolest job ever. So uh, I, I owe a lot of yeah. thanks for my career from wow. kicking that off that, you know, both now as a veteran, but active duty, National Guard, and now as kind of a you know, retired, crusty old vet. I, I had a good time. <laughs> 
So, uh, you know, cyber was a integral part of you being in the military and, and part of your service. Yeah. So when I jumped out, uh, you know, of the service, I was an offensive cyber warfare operator. And that means for a living, I got to get into systems, maintain long-term access to systems, hmm. gather intelligence for two different missions. Sometimes it could be like counterterrorism. So if you think about that, that's like literally doing the research that might, you know, prevent somebody from, you know, getting hurt. And the other one was foreign intelligence. So helping inform our decision makers yeah. of what could be at the next maybe G8 summit. And that was uh, to trust somebody as young as me to help support a mission like that. That was a, a whole lot of responsibility. By the time I left, yeah. you know, 17 years later between the, the active duty and part-time, uh, I was the, one of the senior cyber warfare operators in the, the entire National Guard. So that was, uh, that was a pretty cool uh, experience to go from noob to uh, somebody who knew what they were talking about long-term. <laughs> wow, that, that is, uh, that is quite in incredible and quite, quite in impressive. Um, you know, being a veteran, um, what's your position on hiring veterans or actively seeking out veterans for, for employment in, in your company? Yeah. So for us, it's, uh, you know, I'm not the only vet. My co-founder, Chris was Navy. I mean, yeah. you have to give him that. It was me as an air force guy. You can imagine say, there's always a healthy the rift there? between each other. <laughs> um, but it's one of those that there's a disproportionate advantage of coming from a, a service where any branch generally says, hey, congratulations, within three years in a job, you should be managing anywhere between six to eight people minimum. And if you mm -hmm. go long enough, you get disproportionate amount of experience. So for me, uh, we have a bias. If we, anytime we can, make it as easy as possible. And so there's yeah. a handful of vets throughout the company. A lot of them come from the cybersecurity side. Yeah. Um, so I can't quite say that it's a bias, but it definitely helps them differentiate themselves against candidates who might not have had the same expertise or had the same times. It's, it's just opportunity. The military yeah. does a good job of giving you the chance. I would say they give you the rope. And with that rope, you could lasso success. You could just wiggle it and do nothing with it. Or sometimes sure. you can hang yourself with it. So. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, the tool, I the tool that. itself. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's 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 cool. Um, so I'd love to go back, you know, to to the start of a, a huntress. So you know, you're a young guy going into the military. You know, had a had a successful career there. Um, I'm going to make a big assumption here. Is huntress, you know, the first the first company that that you have founded as an entrepreneur? It was, uh, it was number two, but I would say okay. the first software startup. What I mean okay. by that is a lot of people um, go in the service and you could imagine my first job, I think I was making maybe 28,000 maximum a year. It was not a whole lot. Right. Uh, and that was after like they gave me free food and free you know housing. <laughs> uh, so it wasn't great, but by the time you go to leave, you have enough skills that a lot of time on the outside, you can move from a government employee to a government contractor mm. and overnight double your pay. So I left NSA as a, you know, uh, both a military member and civilian wise and moved into the, I guess what you would call a contracting status, meaning they would pay me twice as much to do almost my same job. Yeah. And so I did that and that was great. 
shot up the first you know a couple of years into a couple million in ARR or recurring revenue. It's awesome. So that was great, but it was butts and seats defense contracting, Ryan. Like not sexy. It wasn't very inspiring. My sure. job was like recruiting and winning contracts, and I kind of felt that even though. I sure. Yeah. Okay, that's awesome. Um, so for, for those that are listening, you know, can we dive into, uh, you know, really maybe a, a probably more of a 100,000 foot view of, of what Huntress does in the market? You know, what services do you guys provide MSPs and, and their end users? Yeah, as a product, the simplest way, and oddly enough, it goes to the acronym MSP, we're a managed security platform. And it happens to be we have a handful of products underneath that platform. The 100,000 foot view would be uh, probably the most exciting view. And what I mean by that is our job is when all that awesome preventive technology, the same technology I used to bypass as a cyber warfare right. operator, my job is to find those shady hackers that make it past those investments. And before they have a chance to deliver their effect, before they have a chance to hinder, whether it's the partner's business or the end customer's business, find them, get them the hell out of there. Or if they happen to, sometimes we're brought in afterwards to be able to reduce remediation to its cheapest cost. And you can imagine for businesses, that means increased productivity. Mm -hmm. For our partners, that means lower their cost of goods sold or lower their yeah. service delivery margins. So I know not everybody likes talking about the business angle, but I'm not a hacker for the sake of being a hacker. I'm the hacker for the sake of making your business run better. Right. And that uh, has enabled our growth. So you guys have been a, a high growth uh, company, you know, and that, that comes with, with its fair amount of challenges. I'm going to kind of pivot back to the entrepreneur side of the conversation. You know, what, what are some of the biggest challenges that you guys have encountered as a business? You know, not only, you know, building a cyber uh, security company, which is, you know, uh, not a lot of room for, for, for mistakes, right? I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a high stakes game, but then just also the business growth that you guys have experienced at the same time. I will share that, you know, we're, we're finally at the part where we're growing more than each month. We add more than a million dollars net new revenue, which is hard. Um, and what everyone will celebrate is those revenue goals. But internally, our revenue is tracked to what we call a thematic goal. It means in a year, we will say at the end of this year, we want to protect a million computers under management to keep them safe. And it turns out whether you're a developer, whether you're in sales, whether you're in marketing, everyone around the business can rally behind that war cry. Let's go protect a million computers. Yeah. The hard part of a business is how can you distill something so simple down to those words? Like I said, I mean, it just sounded natural, but that took me like weeks of time to figure out that was the rally cry. Yeah. And when you scale, like last year we went from, I guess in 2021 alone, we went from probably 40, 50 employees to we're now about 130. Yeah, wow. That is just devastating on culture if you're not very deliberate. And so yeah. we're doing everything we can because if you look at a lot of the vendors that are out there, 
you could go back and say, I remember when they were awesome. But just like when great companies get acquired, oftentimes they lose that pizzazz. Sure. For us, it made sure like, you know, the hardest part was when I talked about scaling or making things that simple. How do you make sure you're bringing on employees and not losing that magic, yeah. not losing that quality and still aligning to your North Star, which for us, it's there's 99% of the companies of the world fall below the enterprise poverty line. You know, that's that line between the thousand employee companies and above mm -hmm. and thousand employee below. And so for us, it was just as simple as we had to figure out how we were going to do this without losing our magic. And that is by far, that's harder than any of the cybersecurity. Right. It's harder than any of the technical mumbo jumbo. Yeah. It is the thing that gives me gray hair and my facial hair here. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I hear you, man. Hey guys, here with a quick break from our show to remind you to subscribe and leave us a review wherever you're listening. If you have suggestions for future episodes or you want to be a guest on the podcast, email us at podcast at connectbooster.com or send us a message on Facebook or Twitter and we'll be sure to point you in the right direction. Lastly, to find out more about our guests, check out their information in the podcast description. Thanks for listening to the Confessions of an IT Business Owner. Let's get back to the show. You're, we were just talking about the culture, you know, being one of the biggest challenges in in uh, growing and, and scaling a business. You know, what are what are a couple of the top things that you guys have done to to combat, like going from from hero to zero? You know, reputation is everything, right? I mean, and, and maintaining that culture, it affects an awful lot um, if it goes awry. It's not just people, you know, having a bad attitude at work, you know, that that. You know, that flows right down to production support. Uh, who do you have out on the road? I mean, it just affects every area of the business, right? Yeah, and in people's home lives too. So uh, what's interesting is some of the things I've learned at this stage, it's not about what you do, it's learning what you say no to. Sure. And so I'll share that a little bit of what we've learned. For instance, one of the biggest things that's hot amongst startups are these benefits that seem very sexy, but they're very bad for employees. Like a great example is, Kyle, I want unlimited PTO. But sure. if you go and do and look at any of the analysis that's been done, even in environments that highly encourage you to take PTO with good management, people take less time off of work and they burn out. Sure. On our end, uh, you know, even if you're that one, there's sometimes like folks like me, I don't, I mean, don't show this to investors, but I would do this job for free, right? Right. And I'm not one that takes a whole lot of PTO, but you know what? If I was to depart, not me literally, but as an employee, I should get paid out on that time off that I accrued. And those unlimited PTO programs that are really hot right now, buzzworthy, you don't accrue anything. They're sure. only win for the company. So stuff like that of knowing when to say no, or another one that's really important to me is sometimes employees will say, well, what if I've got to work really late tonight over dinner? Will you buy my dinner? And I look at them and I've got kids that are 17, 15 and 10. And I say, go spend time. Like I'm going to be at soccer practice tonight. Go find a hobby, go spend some time somewhere else. You shouldn't be working at dinner. No, yeah. I'm not going to cover your dinner. And that's <laughs> not because I wouldn't want to cover dinner. Of course, I don't care about the cost of what $30 meal or something. Yeah. It's the, the answer is I don't want you working in front of your desk, you know, and this becoming a recurring thing where you need to have an actual plan of what you do for dinner because it's so normal. Yeah. Stuff like those are so important. Not again, what I say yes to, right. but what you say deliberately no to. Yeah. Um, 
curious, Ryan, I got one more steamy one if you're curious on this. And this is probably one of the more controversial issues I see at MSPs. Sure. So I find it it worth sharing. Um, The amount of my partners that come and tell me at so-and-so company, we're family. And Mm. all I can think like, Ryan, if you go look at like my last name, oftentimes some of the first, especially before I started doing like PR, the first thing you would find is like my dad and my brother's mugshots. And no matter what, despite their bad life decisions, they are my family. Yeah. And you've probably been in those work environments where you've seen employees treated that same way. Like, oh, instead of them getting released from the company, they get promoted into somebody else's section just to get them out of there. And that is, that is the worst. So one of the big things that we did at the company is not only knowing when to terminate toxic relationships within the company, Mm -hmm. but to be honest, sometimes with toxic relationships in our partners. And that's what I would encourage more MSPs to consider doing as well. Because on our end, we'll actually see incidents that we report to a partner and they don't do anything with our incident. And then it blows up into ransomware. And we know that client could have been protected Hmm. if the MSP would have taken better care. Yeah. We actually fire MSPs. And to be honest, I would love to see more MSPs, even though I've heard it said before, firing some of these customers that are like, well, I don't want to upgrade to the newest, latest and greatest, or I want to stick with $80 a month, all in seat pricing. And right. we all know you can't do that nowadays. Right. That's that type of excellence. And it takes, you got to be bold. Yeah. You got to have a good sales strategy too, to give up ARR or recurring revenue. For sure. But those things for me, that keeps the organization healthy, which allows us all those other things the trade shows to be awesome, the support yep. to be great, the yep. threat hunters to find the nastiest stuff that slips by the best uh, you know, preventive software. And I wish we put more effort on that culture and less effort on just buying another tool or widget. I think yeah. those are way more important. And so here's kind of the beauty of why I love to have these conversations because what happens is we get outside of theory and reading something in a book or article, and this is stuff that you're doing in practice in your business, right? So, you know, the, the theory is yeah. being proven out in, in practice, and then you're seeing a result, and, and you come on here and you talk about the result inside of the business. So that's, that's super cool and very valuable, very valuable advice. It's, it's hard, right? It's hard to have these conversations. It's hard to say, do it. But I mean, that's part of the level that we're finally at as a company. Now that yeah. it's crystal clear, like, my first couple years in business, Ryan, all my partners would ask, are you going to get acquired by ConnectWise or Kaseya? Sure. And, you know, finally people started realizing it's just as likely that I acquire a ConnectWise or Kaseya as they yeah. acquire us now that we're on that growth. Yeah. And that's, um, it was hard. And now that we're large enough, we can finally have these conversations and say, well, why? How are you growing? How are you able to do such big things or challenge? It's because we, uh, we took care of our foundation. We took care of what was right from the bottom up. So again, I won't over harp on that point, but I things and being a go-giver, giving back more than you take, Mm -hmm. uh, they really make a much bigger difference than most, uh, you know, founders and partners. And I would say even vendors will ever admit. Oh, that's awesome. Appreciate you sharing those thoughts too. So I'm going to, I'm going to shift gears on us a little bit here um, and get some, get some of the brass tacks. Like what are, what are some of the, biggest cybersecurity threats that, that you and your partners are just flat out dealing with today. Yeah. Do you mind if I segment? Because there's two ones that I would like, there's some that are partner threats. Okay. Yeah. And there are some that are the vendors themselves. And I've usually never done this, but I realized as part of my preparing for 2022, I was going to have to change as well. So partner threats, 
these ones and every year I get a journo or somebody that asks me, what is the next biggest threat for 2022, Kyle? <laughs> and I have to come and look at them and say, you know, for the last 21 years, we've been saying we're going to get patch management right. But when the Microsoft Exchange incident happened and everybody was running those on-prem servers, like a lot of people forget, I have a million plus computers under our management. I know who patches and who doesn't, right? I have that all-seeing eye. And even after we phone called over a thousand, you know, uh, a combination between partners and customers, meaning yeah. we might have called one partner that represented a half dozen or two dozen, right. but it represented total over a thousand vulnerable exchange servers. And six weeks later, we still were like creeping up at like 800, 900 of them still unpatched. That is how rough. And so even though folks want to hear my bold predictions, I have to kind of be salty a little bit and say, nothing's going to change, right? You know, you know what a bold prediction would be? We finally realized that that auto update feature. Yes, sometimes if you auto update, you get a bad patch and it causes it. But you know what causes a lot more trouble is you not patching at all and trusting yourself to patch. And so that, that, that would be my hot take on that piece. Yeah. The IT hygiene things that we've been talking about forever, segmenting your network, mm -hmm. making sure that you're minimizing your attack surface by not having remote desktop, or uh, for instance, other things like open shares, or when somebody as an employee gets offboarded, you disable their credentials all of these things. I, I didn't even go and touch two-factor. I didn't even right. touch EDR. Right. I didn't, none of the sexy buzzwords. Yeah. Nowadays, the buzzword that's killing me is zero trust. And it is important, but there are so many free fundamentals that nobody is doing. And I see the ramifications of them all day, every day. Like for instance, privilege access management. Nobody does it. And our partners who do it, we see noticeably less threats. Hmm. Like measurably, we have the data. I'm going to switch gears instead of like partners right now be like, oh man, Kyle's coming out with the hot takes. <laughs> um, and I've said those things before, but yeah. I really, if I could do anything in 2022, I'm going to have to get better at transparency and share even more of just how often people are getting their businesses steamrolled yeah. because of basic things. And sometimes those even impact Huntress. What I mean by that is we had a part of our QA network about two weeks ago, segmented away, no customer data. We had an engineer who spun up a test VM and the VMs are supposed to go away. That means virtual machine for the yep. non-technical users, right? But it spun it up, left it online, had nothing on there. Somebody brute forced it, got into our own QA, even ourselves. Yeah. Guess what the password was? It was something like ABC123 exclamation, exclamation, exclamation. Like that's within Huntress who absolutely knows better. So yes. partners don't feel like that's us, you know, Security is hard and it's even harder to have standards. So I'm right there with you and I'm trying to pour some of that $40 million I raised in my series B into helping you make it better. Yeah. But I do want to shift focus a little bit to the vendors because yeah. in 2021, Ryan, I still hear on the daily basis. I tried to report a vulnerability to my vendor. They ignored me. They uh, couldn't tell me who the right point of contact was. And, and some of the ones that really ticked me off is, they sent their legal team after me. Hmm. It still happens. That stuff is just, that's, that's garbage. That is not correct for that to be happening. Um, I'm going to take a little bit more and say like on some of these incidents that are happening, a lot of time our vendors are not proactively trying to identify their bugs and vulnerabilities. And what I mean by that, Ryan, is in the past, 
the cyber criminals who focus mostly on our MSP partners, the channel, whether you're a VAR, truly an MSP, call yourself an MSSP, telco agent, whatever, regardless, they're the ones that are coming after you. They used to just go after the basics, email, phishing, et cetera. But we've seen in, you know, literally in 2021 alone, these ransomware as a service groups are starting to use either current zero days or vulnerabilities of the past. And 54 different ones we've seen used by groups this year. Some of them are truly zero days, meaning there's no patch available. And Ryan, so I started looking and our team started digging into these vulnerabilities and going, well, how hard was it to find these? And in these hacking competitions that are out there, they're called capture the flags. They measure their challenges from 100 level, which is the easiest to 500 level, which is the hardest. Think about one to five. The vulnerabilities we're seeing where like, for instance, a very, you know, uh, you know, a very large company in the billing software world just enabled a whole bunch of engineering companies to get ransomed because their software was vulnerable, vulnerable. It was a 100 level vulnerability. So the fact that vendors are not one driving awareness that there is an epidemic out there on code quality and hackers are now kind of about to deliver us the great reckoning that if we don't do something about it, they will. And so I think that's where I'm going to leave it there on that end, but we got to get more transparency. We got to have more, let's, let's, instead of admonish vendors, let's celebrate the ones who come out and be transparent about it. And for instance, if a vendor isn't going to do something about it, there's probably needs to be some accountability out there. And that's, that's rough, even me as a vendor, yeah. but if I'm willing to hold myself to the same accountability, share my own, I'm writing a blog, by the way, on how hunters got compromised and we're going to go out there and show it. Yeah. And if I can hold myself to the same accountability, everyone else can as well. Yeah, 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 that's great. Appreciate the transparency on that as well. That's that's awesome. You know, it's, it's not easy, about... but it's needed, right? It. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're all people. It's. Are, are you remote, Ryan? Do you, do you go in the office very often? Are you hybrid? Yeah, typically in the office. So on on mine, a lot of our team is back and forth unless we're on the road. And what kills me is in 2021, I still have people that apologize on like their Zoom calls of, oh, I'm sorry my kid was crying or, oh, I'm sorry my dog. Like life is life, we're all humans. Same thing about vendors, we all have bugs. Yeah. It's not about yeah. having the vulnerability. It's about you know, what are you doing to find the vulnerability or when the vulnerability finds you, how do you respond to it? So. Yeah. I'll get off that uh, that soapbox, but uh, that's something that I would advise both partners and vendors to really consider. No, I think that's great. So shifting over to two MSPs, you know the heavy side of of what this is and the the reality of the threats that exist and and some of the uh, lack of simple standards that you're seeing that are allowing you know these these issues to to penetrate into networks and, and, and breach systems and, and cause mayhem. Let's talk about the flip side. What are, what's some of the opportunity for MSPs that, that exists? Um, not only to help combat this, but you know, there's, there's that revenue element for them as well, adding value and, and when they add value, you know, and, and I, and I want to tie back to, you know, the go-giver comment of, of giving more than they receive, but we understand there's a revenue element in this for them as well. What, what are those, what are those revenue opportunities for, for our mutual partners? Let's be real. If I want to secure those million or 2 million endpoints that my big thematic goal that I mentioned earlier, yeah. I can't do it unless I have the revenue to back. You have to be a healthy company first. You have to make money or you will end up like these great startups that get acquired by private equity. And we're seeing it happen all over the place. Mm -hmm. Where I'm going with this is 
the opportunity out there is massive. And I actually, believe it or not, despite us, we were the team, right, that made the first phone call to Kaseya. We let them know about when that incident went down. And they were still cool enough to invite me to keynote on their main stage at one of the recent conferences. Yeah. And you'd say, why the hell did they do this? And I actually presented on opportunity. It was a tongue-in-cheek keynote. And what I did is I showed them the opportunity to be a cyber criminal. I told a whole audience, this is how you could go and grow your recurring revenue, ditch managed services and become a cyber criminal. And obviously that was tongue in cheek. They yeah. knew that it was facetious. But what I did in that presentation is I showed them how cyber criminals work. I showed them of exactly how they use their tools. And what was beautiful is the key, you know, the keynote itself was fun. But the capstone on it or the very ending closing, you know, every good keynote has a call to action. I threw it backwards and said, you could look at this glass half empty and say, I need to become a cyber criminal. Or you could realize this thread, this theme, these hackers are not going away. It is a company, it is a business to them. And you could rise to the occasion because a rising tide will lift all boats. And we're already seeing it. We're seeing whether they're very large because some of our largest partners in the MSP world do like you know, 100 to 300 million recurring revenue. Some of our smallest do stuff like one to three million in recurring revenue. But what's crazy is operational maturity does not correlate with size. So sometimes sure. the companies and talking about opportunity that you brought up, Ryan, we're seeing the growth that's happening with very small, savvy, operationally mature MSPs that have moved into co-managed IT that have instead of going from one to two million ARR in a year, We've seen folks go from one to three and are already asking, how do they go from three to past five? These are the chasms that some MSPs spend years trying to cross those chasms. They go register for, you name it, HTG, which is now called Evolve, or yep. Gary Pikas, which is True Methods is now owned by Kaseya, or Paul Dipple, which service uh, you know, uh, leadership, right, uh, is now owned by ConnectWise. But where I'm going with this is these companies that are taking advantage of this opportunity delivering great cybersecurity, understanding how the hackers work, building a package that is affordable and usable and shows enough value to end customers, not just the expensive layers. Like I sometimes have people that tell me about their security stacks. It's like they used every expensive ingredient to make a cake that tastes delicious, but nobody can afford to buy the sucker. So these smaller sometimes MSPs that are more operationally mature are saying, how do I deliver value? How do I go upstream? And so I'm seeing whether it's creative ways to go to market, mm -hmm. I'm seeing less uh, MSP business owners being involved in sales and marketing and them actually investing in their marketing and sales for the first time ever. Yeah. And as a result, we're seeing these MSPs really capitalize, whether it's CMMC, whether it's any of these new security trends or just the general awakeness now post uh you know, COVID that everybody needs to move and adopt to cloud-based cybersecurity that uh, for anybody listening, you could easily hear any of my earlier statements and felt depressed. I would highly encourage the glass half full is there is so much available opportunity for you to grow and make a bigger difference if you button down and grow a healthy business yourself. So um, I don't know if that head nods or, you know, just validates what you said, Ryan, but I'm a firm believer in the opportunity that you suggested. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. 100% agree, 100% agreed. Now, um, before I wind down the episode, I'd love to, uh, I'd love to just, I, this is a question, sometimes it's, it's a little cliche, but I do, I do enjoy asking it, and I think a lot of people enjoy uh, 
uh, answering it as well. And, and, you know, you entered a pretty serious professional career at the age of, of 17, you know, going into the military. And as you've progressed through that career and, um, you know, started your first company post-military and, and we're here where we're at right now in Huntress, if you'd ask your, you know, if you give advice to your 17-year-old self, you know, understanding all of these things that you have, you've experienced and gone through, you know, what's, what's some of the advice that you'd give to maybe younger listeners that are on here to, uh, to lead them on their path to success? I'm going to lead it with controversial statements like, the time I spent in college still working after hours to be able to get the degree, focus on skills, focus on culture. Focus on the things that allow you to execute better than everyone else. Because to be honest, all the time I spent chasing certificates or other people's approvals to help get me through the door, they added value. But the things that have really made me make a big difference is having the hands-on skills to make a difference, outperforming. So I would actually tell myself, don't chase that bachelor's degree. Maybe ditch some of those useless security certificates and sure. focus on, again, the real skills that matter, the hands-on getting, you know, rolling up your sleeves and really learning how to do it, not the book work. And some folks will really disagree with that. That's my own advice for my 17 year old self though. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Kyle, I know it's Friday and I know it's afternoon and I know uh, that doesn't mean much to entrepreneurs and, and neither does a weekend, but I, I, wanna, I wanna thank you again for spending the time with us, the great advice, the perspective. Um, and I love the getting back to the basics uh, narrative and, and uh, the all seeing eyeballs. You're like, hey guys, I know what's going on here. <laughs> like, let's, let's button our crap up. Um, that, that was incredible. Um, any final thoughts before, uh, before you go into your weekend? It's right now, it's Friday for me in my time zone, it's almost 4 p.m. That gives me a heads up that our team has about an hour and a half before the companies on the, the West Coast, uh, you know, start preparing for the end of their day and the companies on the East Coast go home. And your audience is like, what a weird comment to make at the end of it. This is when cyber criminals begin their ransomware. This is when cyber criminals begin their incidents. They start it when you go home on Friday night. So they have the whole weekend to deliver the effect. I think those real life examples like that hit closer to home. So while everybody else, hopefully, you know, this podcast is recording, processing, um, I'm gonna go back to doing what we do best, which is messing up hackers, minimizing the damage they can do. And hopefully that's just a, you know, an abrupt wake up call when a technician goes home on Friday. Have you buttoned up things as well as you thought? Because if yeah. not, you know, someone's going to prove you wrong. So I'll leave it there on that half inspirational, half uh, aspirational quote. Hey, that's awesome, man. Appreciate the real talk. This is great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ryan, for having me. This was just awesome opportunity. I appreciate that. We'll talk to you soon, Kyle. You've just listened to Confessions of an IT Business Owner with our host, Ryan Goodman. If you like this episode, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and review. As always, don't forget to subscribe and please recommend us to your channel colleagues. If you'd like to find out more about Connect Booster, visit us at connectbooster.com. Thanks again, and we will see you next time.